I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. Hello and welcome to a special Cheeky Scientist radio show. Today we're talking about what you can and can't control in your job search. Now, as a PhD, you have learned how to control getting your thesis. You have learned how to control, to a point, your progress or the perspective, possibly, of your PI, your thesis committee, etc. You've learned, more specifically, to focus on what you can control. There are things in experiments. There are things when it comes to TAing. There are things when it comes to really anything in life, but certainly during your PhD, that you can control and you can't control. And if you continue to try to control the things that you can't control, like the outcome, the overall outcome of an experiment, for example, in terms of what actually happens, uh, how the biological molecules actually react with each other in reality, uh, how the mathematical equation actually turns out. You can want, and many of us have learned this the hard way, you could want a positive result for an experiment as bad as you've ever wanted anything in your life, and it can still be negative. You can still get negative data because certain things just are the way they are. That's what you've learned to do as a PhD. You've learned to approach things with a sense of discovery, with curiosity, to understand the way that things are. In philosophy, this is called the law of identity. You could take it a step further to the law of causality. This is at its core, what you've learned to do, this is what research, no matter your domain, whether you're STEM or non-STEM, whatever your background is, is all about. This is what analysis is all about. And those are those two key transferable skills you have as a PhD that make you so valuable in industry right now. But when it comes to your job search, suddenly we become very emotional. We become very flaky. Uh, We give up because we don't like the pain of being rejected. It reminds us of what it was like to be a school uh, on the school ground as a kid. Uh, we don't like the fact that somebody may not just like us. They're not going to hire us just because they simply don't like us. Of course, this is something that we deal with even in academia, but because we thought that academia was going to make us an invincible in the world, and instead it made us fragile, we, we can't handle it. And so we obsess over the things, many of us, certainly when we start in our job search, over the things that we can't control, how an employer responds to us. We cannot control that. Uh, what our chances are of getting hired into a particular position, whether or not somebody will see our resume if we upload it online, whether or not we need a visa to work in the country we, we want to work in, whether or not we were able to get publications out, even in academia, was outside of our control. So what can you control? What can't you control? That's what we're going to discuss in today's radio show. I'm going to start with the things you cannot control in your job search. And first, I'm going to tell you a quick story about two people that I was talking to very recently, two different PhDs that were in our Cheeky Scientist Association. One person came in and immediately had a problem with all of the training material. They said that this training material was not accurate. It made it seem like it was possible for any PhD to get hired. And I said, well, yes, that's true. That's, that is the premise that we are operating under. And they said, well, that's not actually true because sometimes an employer just won't like you. They'll have biases. 
We said, we certainly do understand. We have uh, materials for uh, international considerations, uh, people who are in a challenging situation when it comes to getting a job search, uh, people who are mistreated in their job search. This occurs, of course. That being said, our goal is to help all individuals get hired into the jobs that they want to get hired into. All PhDs, no matter what your PhD background is, no matter what country you are from. And they were focusing all of their efforts on what they couldn't control. They were focusing everything, all of their time and energy on, for example, if somebody would get back to them when they uploaded their resume online. And if they didn't get back to them, they would say the entire system is flawed. And they would dig into the weeds about why the system is flawed. And they would say, well, it shouldn't be this way. And this is what happens to a lot of us PhDs. There's a, there's a right and there's a wrong. We're objective. We want to define objective reality. That's why a lot of us got into getting our PhDs. That's what a lot of us, for, for writing our thesis or doing experiments, that's what it's about. When it comes to your job search, it can be a complete waste of time trying to control the things that are outside of your control. There are a lot of employers that you do not want to work for. And if they have certain biases against you, you do not want to work for them. If your goal is to get a job yourself, it's very different than trying to change the overall system of job searching. Uh, I can tell you personally, I wish I could change uh, a lot of the things that are not uh, being done well in terms of a job search in many different countries. I've heard stories um, from all over the world, uh, all different countries. We have people on our platform from 150 different countries, and there are challenges and biases and difficulties in all of these countries. And I wish that I could just level the playing field across the board, but I can't do that. We can strive to make it better and better. And this is a lot of the, the talking points that I was having with this individual back and forth. And I, as, as I noticed, I got off track and I said, well, at the end of the day, I just want to be solution focused and to help you get hired. And they said, well, again, what if the employer doesn't like me? It doesn't matter what I do. I'll waste all of that time. And I said, oh, now, now we're getting to what this is actually about. This is what it is for many of us. We don't want to invest our time, our energy and resources if there's a chance of failure, certainly if there's a chance of rejection on top of that failure, because that is one of the worst feelings in the world. And anything else under the umbrella of what you can't control is going to have that problem, the problem that it could lead to rejection. You could try in anything in life. You could try just getting your PhD. and You probably did side by side with other people who weren't able to get their PhD. And many times the situation was unfair. I saw this. I had a postdoc and a PhD student in my lab, and I saw my PI force them out because he didn't like them or he wanted to save money or whatever other biases that he had. I saw it happen in real time, and it was not fair, and I could not control it. doesn't mean that you don't do something about it. You don't speak up. You don't report it, but I knew that I had to get my PhD, the system where it was. There was no way to do anything other than to protect myself and make sure that I could get my PhD by doing many of the things that I did. I looked at the graduate student handbook and I found ways to make sure that there was also a responsibility placed on my PI that they had to help their mentees progress in their careers. And I eventually used this uh, with my thesis committee, with my department, uh, to be able to get the green light to defend my thesis. 
I focused on what I could control, not what I couldn't control. And you have to do the same thing in your job search. And I wish it was very, I wish it was much more clean. I wish it was much more objective. I wish there was a, a simple right and a wrong when it came to getting hired. I wish the best person for the individual position with the most skills was always hired, but it's just simply not the case. Sometimes somebody with a poorer skill set um, will get hired because they have a referral, because they know somebody. And let's not pretend like this doesn't affect academia. Uh, it's been shown, it's been published in Nature, Science, Cell, that it's not the best science or the best research, no matter the background, STEM, non-STEM. It's not the people that have the best ideas that are getting funded at the highest level. It's those who are the most well-connected, right? The biggest labs get the most funding simply because of con uh, connections or name recognition. So if it's true in academia, where many of you are now, how much more true would it be in industry? Doesn't matter. Would it be at least as true? Very likely. So just like everything else in life, you have to figure out, and quickly, if you want to progress in your job search, what you can control and what you can't control. So number one in terms of what you can't control, if an employer doesn't like you. Now, of course, as with everything I'm saying here, if you are mistreated, abused, illegal things are done, report them. Do not tolerate that behavior. If you see, see it being done against you or others, report it. Of course, you need to stand up and speak out and work to change the system. We have a responsibility for that. I'm talking about the things where it's not illegal, it's a gray area, whether it should be or not, or somebody, for example, just doesn't like you. They don't like what you're wearing to the interview, and they never say that, right? And that's, this is why a lot of employers will not give you feedback on why they won't hire you, um, because they can be held accountable depending on which country or province or state that they're in. They won't give you feedback. They'll just say they decided to go with somebody else. And that's it. That's the end of it. That's why it can be so frustrating not to get that feedback on why you re reject it. If an employer doesn't like you, there's nothing you can do. Don't obsess about it. If they don't give you the reason why you didn't get the job, don't obsess over it. Say thank you. Do not burn that bridge because somebody else might be in charge later. Somebody else, a new CEO might come into a multi-million or even multi-billion dollar company, change it around, and then you might wor end up working there someday. It happens all the time. Number two, if they not likewise, if a networking contact doesn't like you or doesn't respond to you, you can't control that. You can control your reaching out, the process of networking and getting referrals, but you can't control how quickly they get back to you if they get back to you in the first place. You can't control how many people you reach out to, and there is going to be a metric, right, in terms of over time. For every 10 people you reach out to, one or two get back to you within this amount of time. That's what you can control. But you can't control if an individual reaches out to you, responds to you, likes you, etc. Stop obsessing over that. Those two things in particular, going back to my story, was were what this one person decided to focus on. Because very often it's easier to focus on what's not working. It's easier to blame the things that you can't control when it comes to your job search then to turn your attention on what you can control because once you admit that you can control it, now you're taking responsibility for your job search. Now you're taking responsibility for the things that you can control and for those things, right, that's, that should be empowering. It should help you. If, you. if you give all of your energy and resources to the things that you can't control, you're giving away your, your power, your ability to be productive in your job search 
to the things you can't control, the things that are actually in charge of that, whether it's just reality or another employer or not networking contact, you're giving them uh, your power. You're, you're putting your job search entirely into their hands. You want to take your job search into your hands. This is something we talk about with academia a lot. You can't rely on academia to advance your career. You're likely listening to this because you thought academia would help you in your career or train you or get you hired, but you've been stuck. And now you realize this, there's something there that you can't control and that you're actually at a deficit because you've given too much of your career, the control over your career progress to academia or to your PI. You need to take back control. And really what that is, is not so much taking it back, but focusing on what you can control. Now, the second person, going back to my story that I talked to, they came into our program and they consumed all of our training content and they saw the best in everything. They said, oh, I can do this or this won't work for me, but I can do this. Oh, this applies to me, but this doesn't apply to me. And they just started slashing and and not taking into account the things that weren't going to be right for them. And they consumed at a higher pace, a higher level. And they put together and pieced together and created a plan out of everything that would apply to them. And they focused on solutions in the training and in our uh, networking group, our job referral group, thousands of PhDs. They reached out. Some people didn't get back to them right away. So they didn't, and they didn't dwell on that. They kept reaching out. And this particular person, within a couple of weeks, had multiple interviews lined up and got hired. What was the main difference? They weren't going into a new training or a new environment or their job search in general with a critical eye first. They were going into it with a discovery mindset, asking themselves, what if? What if this was right? What if this was right for me? Or would this be right for me? It's a very subtle but powerful difference than asking yourself over and over again, why isn't this right for me? That's the question that most of you have on your mind at all times because we've been trained to ask that question. We've been, we've been trained to fight against confirmation bias, so we always ask ourselves, what's wrong with this? Why is this not right? That's great for data, for your research in general, to avoid confirmation bias, but it's not good for you as a person, certainly not for a job search, certainly not for learning and exploring new areas. Instead, you want to say, what if this was right? What if this worked for me? How could I use this to my advantage? We know that questions determine our focus. As PhDs, we know that better than most people in the world. Questions, hypotheses are powerful. Focus on what you can control, not on what you can't control. Number three, in terms of what you can't control, whether or not an employer will even see your resume when you submit it online. This is why if you limit your job search just to uploading resumes online, which sure is easier if that's all you did, you are putting your entire job search, your career into the hands of artificial intelligence, the applicant tracking system software, an employer, whether or not they even see your resume. I want you to take back control by getting your resume into the hands of an employer through somebody else that committed to you verbally or otherwise that they would do so. I'm going to come back to that. Number four, in terms of what you can't control. Your experience level or a or lack of experience, a gap on your resume. If you have no industry experience and a job posting says you need five years, et cetera, so many PhDs say, well, this is just not fair. I can't get hired. I have no industry experience. That's fine. But what you can control is maybe how you structure your resume to talk about the skills that you do have that are relevant for the job. You use that word, quote unquote, relevant. You realize, you do some research and realize that most, that nobody can check off the entire wish list of a job posting. There's always going to be a gap. 
There's always going to be an experience gap every time. And that's okay. You should still apply. And there's things you can do with your resume and throughout your job search to help the employer focus more on the fact that you can learn better and faster than any other job candidate despite your lack of experience. You are a PhD after all, a doctor of philosophy. Philosophy is knowledge and the ability to ascertain knowledge. You're a doctor of learning. Number five, you cannot control at this point, for most of you, your PhD background. Your PhD background might be biology, teaching and learning, humanities, physics, chemistry, whatever it is. Every PhD I've met thinks that their background is very unique. Every single one. I've never talked to a PhD that said, well, my background is very well known and employers are really looking for my background, even if that's true. It's amazing. We all think that our background is niche and unique and is somehow limiting us because in academia, we divide our backgrounds really. I mean, really, there's like five overall PhD backgrounds. Five. That's it. Life sciences, physical sciences, engineering, social sciences, and humanities. Math is often under physical sciences. It is. Now, you can divide these up in a thousand different ways. Some people say, well, what about economics? Economics is usually either under physical sciences or humanities. Sometimes people pull out a separate group and they call it mathematics and they put economics under there. Teaching and learning often under either social sciences or humanities. You can argue these things till you're blue in the face, but you can't control how an employer is going to perceive it. And newsflash, most employers don't care. It's just like letters, letters of recommendation. You can't control if somebody's going to give you a great letter of recommendation. If that ship has sailed, let it go because it doesn't matter. Not only can you not control these things, but very often they don't matter. Number six on the list, how many publications you have. This is another, another item where not only can you not control it very likely at this point, you have as many publications as you're going to have and that you're going to be able to in some way reference on your resume or talk about if they ask about it. Not only that, but very likely they won't. Most employers do not care, especially the frontline uh, people in terms of your job search that will be evaluating you and your resume at the start, the hiring managers, the recruiters. Most do not have PhDs. Over, over 95%, depending on the statistics you look at, do not have PhDs. They're not worrying about what the volume or issue number is of your publications. Sure, you can mention it in your professional summary on your resume. You can call their attention to the fact that you have three and then you can name the biggest one. But you have to understand that not only is this something at this point very likely you can't control, your PhD background set, especially if you've graduated, and your publications are set if you're looking for a job in industry at this point. Very likely, you might have one more, but again, it doesn't matter. Employers aren't saying, well, what do you have in press? Right? They're not asking that. That's not their focus. So it's not only, the point here is not only to stop focusing on what you can't control, but stop focusing on what doesn't matter to your audience. Seventh and finally, if you need a visa or any other, if you have any other unique situation, employers are going to hire you and sponsor you, or your best chance for employers to hire you and sponsor you is if you position yourself or position whatever your disadvantage is as an advantage in some way. Is there a way you could position your diversity in terms of your training, your background, your country as a strength. In fact, a lot of top companies, that's one of their top values is diversity. Have you ever thought to talk about that on your resume or to talk about it during the interview? 
if you need a visa, have you ever thought to position it as that you're more committed? You've left your home country. You've left your family. And because of that, you will work harder than anybody else. Now, again, it's not to say that there's not some very hard, tough realities out there, that there's not certain obstacles for you. But there are obstacles that you can control and obstacles that you can't control or better. There are aspects of every obstacle that you can control and that you can't control. And if your goal is to go through the obstacle or to go around it or to demolish the obstacle, whatever verb you want to use, then you have to focus on what you can control. Now, in terms of what you can control, I've hinted at a lot of them already. Number one, what an employer sees first on your resume. Which skills to prioritize, in other words. This is why we say that every bullet point on your resume has to start with a transferable skill. You can't control the fact that they might look at you as a PhD without experience and think that you can't work with a team and that you're going to get lost in the details and that you don't understand the larger, broader, softer skills, transferable skills, communication skills that it takes to work in industry. You can't control that. But what you can control is highlighting your transferable skills so they definitely see them and showing them that you understand that they should be a priority by prioritizing them on your resume. Number two, speaking of priorities, how you prioritize your job search. Are you protecting your time or are you working for free for your PI out of guilt after getting your PhD or after finishing your postdoc? Don't do that. Are you not even asking your PI out of fear for time off to network or to do an online networking event? Are you not saving the first couple of hours of your day or some of your productive time for your job search and instead you're just letting everything get crowded in that your PI or a professor or your thesis committee wants you to do? Are you making time for your job search? You have complete control over your priorities. You actually do. You can say no. You can or you can find out where that line is. You can push back. Number three, your networking efforts. The volume of your networking efforts. We call this the power of next. If somebody doesn't respond to you or rejects you, go to somebody else. Get another introduction. The next person, the next. We have people that come into our association. They can't believe that there's 8,000 plus associates, 10,000 plus members of all of our programs, 15,000 plus memberships all overall. They come in and they're able to go to the one person to get an introduction or set up an informational interview. If that doesn't work out, the timing's not right, they can't get back to them right away, they go to the next person, the next person, next, the next person. They go from having a few hundred LinkedIn connections to thousands. That's the power of next. That's the power of volume. You can control that. You can control how many people you reach out to every day. You can control getting better and better at trying new networking scripts and getting better at informational interviews. You can control that. Number four, your mindset. You can decide if you get rejected to ask about the rejection, to ask what happened, to find a lesson in there. Even if you don't get feedback from the employer like we discussed, there's going to be a lesson in there somewhere. What could you do better next time? See it as a training opportunity. Approach things with a discovery possibility mindset. This isn't about putting on rose-colored glasses or just being positive. It's about being solution-focused, which is a hard pivot to make for a lot of us PhDs because we are used to being critical. We want to find the problem, the fault, which is very helpful when it comes to your technical work, but not in your job search. Unless you want to get into the industry of fixing the job search process, which means you should come work for us, a cheeky scientist. <laughs> Unless you want to get into that industry, that shouldn't be your focus. 
That's outside of your control. It's outside of your domain. It's outside of what you want to do. Instead, focus on what you can control. Focus on your discovery, possibility, mindset. What if this worked? What if I tried this different resume and it did work? Not, well, my friend of a friend said this resume doesn't work, so I'm not even going to try it. They have no idea what they're talking about. Number five, which positions you're excited about or just enthusiasm in general? Enthusiasm is important. You should have enthusiasm come through in your job search. This isn't about being rah-rah. This isn't about being over the top and non-authentic. It's about actually being engaged. If, you can, if you're not even engaged and excited about the position you're applying for, if you're not even engaged or excited on the initial phone screen, what does the employer think is going to happen to you a year later? They think you're going to be bored out of your mind. They're like, this person is not even excited to be here now, let alone in a year. They're definitely going to leave in a year. That's the number one thing they're looking at is their retention. What's the likelihood of keeping this job candidate for two years? A two-year retention rate is the number one metric for employers. That's all they're looking at when they see you. Are you likely to stay for two years? And can you do the job if you do stay two years? That's number two. But number one is, will you even stay two years? Number six, making yourself the best fit possible for a position. Sure, you might lack some of the experience. You might lack some of the results, the skills are acting, asking for on the job posting. So what? You can control how well you come across. You can control if you're positioning your, yourself as good as possible for who you are and what skills you have. You can pull up to the forefront of your resume, of the conversation. You can ask questions that highlight your strengths and the things that you've accomplished that are relevant to what they need you to accomplish. You can talk about how you can learn things quickly. You can talk about your research and analysis skills, your innovation skills as a PhD. You can control the conversation and their attention. And that overall is something that you can bring to the table of your job search that you can actually influence. You're in control of that. There is always an aspect of a conversation that you can control. There's always an aspect of how well you fit the role that you can control. You could be the worst fit out of all the positions available. You're, you could be the worst fit out of, compared to all other positions for a particular job, but you just really want to get into that job. You know you can learn it just like you've learned very complex things to get your PhD and likely after for a, a postdoc or otherwise. You know there's not a single domain that you can't dive deeply into and learn. And sure, you may not be the best fit for this now, but you can learn it. So are you talking about your ability to learn quickly? Are you mentioning where you didn't know how to do things before, but you learned very quickly and you became an expert at them very quickly? Are you talking about the value of a PhD, about being a doctor of learning, about research and analysis, innovation, these transferable skills that I've been mentioning over and over again? You can control that. Number seven, you can control how you show up to an interview. Are you learning the methodology of answering interview questions, the STAR technique, which we've talked about in previous radio shows, or the SCR technique, right? Um, either way, the situation comes first, STAR or SCR. What was the situation when you're asking, when you're asked what's your biggest, biggest weakness? Talk about a situation where you realized you had a big weakness. And then task and action, or in the SCR, the complication that came up, the problem due to that weakness. And then finally, the resolution, which is the R in both STAR and SCR. Number eight, your follow-up. This is an area that you, arguably, you have the most control over. How much you follow up and how well you follow up. If you follow up with somebody every single week, and if you have less time, you could shorten that. If you've talked to somebody, if you've went further in your job search, you had a, 
a video interview, for example, you can follow up every single day or every other day. Are you following up? And then are you what's called selling yourself into the close? As the job gets closer and closer to being closed, as in as it gets closer and closer to the employer deciding who they're going to hire, are you continuing to reach out after the interview to sell yourself and remind them of the skills you're going to bring to the position? Are you following up and reminding them of the great conversations you had and the, the new things that are happening in the field and what you're going to do and how you can start and hit the ground running right away? Are you following up after an informational interview to see if they can connect you to anybody else you could talk to about the position at that company? Are you following up to see if you can use their name as a reference on a cover letter because you had such a great conversation, you just want to mention the fact that you talked. Your follow-up is powerful and you can control it arguably more than anything else on this list. Ninth and finally, your sense of certainty. Now, I like using certainty because confidence can be uh, easily confused with arrogance or overconfidence, but certainty, are you certain in yourself, your self-efficacy? your ability to learn new things and to do things well, your competence, your ability that even if you don't know how to do things now, you have great decision-making abilities and great self-learning abilities. You're self-motivated. You can get things done. You can learn. Is this coming across throughout your job search? There's going to be things I don't know, but I can learn them and I will only make mistakes once. This is how you reduce risk, which is crucial during a recession or during any time where there's fewer jobs than job candidates. Your sense of certainty. Are you showing them that you're certain about this position, that it's not just some option? Like, uh, I'm okay about it. You know, I'm not really sure I want to do it. It could be, it could be good. I'm entertaining other options. Or are you coming across like, this is what I've prepared for. I can do this job. Sure, you might be entertaining other positions. You don't lie about that. Sure, you might negotiate a contract. But you want to show them that if they give you an offer, you're going to seriously consider it. Now you're excited about the work and you can do it and you will learn how to do it. And you'll do whatever it takes. You can control your sense of certainty and communicating your sense of certainty as well as your self-efficacy, your belief in yourself that you can get things done or learn how to get things done the way they need you to. This takes us to the end of our radio show. If you want to learn more about the Cheeky Scientist Association, and becoming an associate, I'd love to work with you. Go to phdsgethired.com, phdsgethired.com. As always, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. I'm Isaiah Henkel, the founder of Cheeky Scientist and the creator of the Cheeky Scientist Association. I wanted to quickly tell you that memberships into the association are available to PhDs listening to Cheeky Scientist Radio by using the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com, P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser Scroll down to the orange membership button and click on it. Then enter the coupon code Cheeky Radio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. That's Cheeky Radio, C H E E K Y R A D I O. Remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Uh-huh.